Good morning. It is great to see you guys today. Let's give Corey and the band a hand for a great job. And I do have a Corey announcement to make after this, at the end of the service, but I'll wait. I'll keep them in suspense, Corey, about that. Game changer. You understand that in, in athletics? You probably know what that means. And if something happens that that changes the course of the game. And uh, last week was our 15th anniversary of 9-11. That was a game changer for us as a country. It changed our country. It changed uh, a lot of people's lives. There was an event that happened in the early 70s. Many of you were not born then, but I remember it well. That's been a game changer for a lot of us all these years. I want you to see this commercial. Mmm, peanut butter. Mmm, chocolate. You got peanut butter on my chocolate. Well, you got chocolate in my peanut butter. Bravissimo. Two great tastes that taste great together. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Real milk chocolate. Good old-fashioned peanut butter. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Would y'all agree that was a game... Changer, you want it, buddy? You need you need a little energy. You've been working with youth this morning. Reese's peanut butter cups was a game changer. Philippians chapter four. We're going to be looking at something. I, I don't want to oversell it, but I want to tell you the truth: that if you and I would adopt this in our lives, and we would make a choice today to live this out, it would change our game. What am I talking about? Become a joyful and happy person. Wow. Now that, 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 seems, that seems too simple for a preacher. A preacher is supposed to say something like, if you will give $1,000 a week to the church, it will change your life, right? Be a joyful and happy person. Now, I know this morning that, that there's some of you who maybe you're not a Christian or you're kind of on the edge and to you, you know, that's, oh, that's that old sissy Christianity stuff. Be happy, be joyful. And I know there's some Christians here who you're just deep and profound and you came today to hear a Greek word expounded on and now this guy's going to talk about being joyful and happy and you just are already disappointed uh, because for some reason we've got a lot of weird thoughts about being joyful and being happy. We think it's not important, or it's, it's for shallow people, or it's not for you, or if it's not for me. A screenwriter named Leo Rostin said, the purpose of life is not to be happy. If that's true, a lot of people are fulfilling their purpose. Amen? Let's see what the Word of God says. The, the, the be joyful and be a happy, joyful person. This is a command of God. Look in verse 4, Philippians 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, now folks, this is stated as an imperative command. In other words, this is not an option. This is not God saying, okay, if this fits your personality type, if, if this is what it comes natural to you, if this is your gifting, is this what you want to do? If your mom and dad were happy, then this is good. No, he's, this is a command, an imperative command to rejoice in the Lord always. If you are a God follower this morning, this is not optional. I, I went to college for four years at a normal college, and then I spent about eight years in a seminary. A seminary is a graduate school for preachers, and a seminary is synonymous with a cemetery for, for a number of reasons. And uh, 
A lot of interesting things happen at a seminary, don't they, Josh? It's not a normal place. And I remember when I got to seminary, I was 22, and the average age was like 31. And so there was already a a gap there with me and the people. But there's a lot of really intense people. I mean, people who are angry for God. I mean, they are just mad for the Messiah. They are holy and unhappy. And I can remember hearing these guys walk around, and they would say stuff like this. God, and they would say it like this. They were mad, God. You ever heard anybody say, could pronounce God like a God? God has called us to be holy and not happy. Well, first of all, I was scared to death of them. And secondly, that just sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? I mean, you can just hear angels singing with that. The only problem with that is that is baloney. I mean, that is ridiculously wrong. They've completely missed the Bible. Listen, when God says in, in 1 Peter 1 to be holy, that's a command. God's not suggesting that we be holy and separate and pure and righteous. That's a command. When God says to love one another, that's not a suggestion. That's a command from God. When God tells us to forgive people, he's not asking us to do that. He is commanding that we do this. Here's the cool thing. When God says, I want you to be a joyful, happy person, that is a command just like everything else. How many of you would like to cut something out of the Bible? Seriously. The gluttony part. I would like to work my way around that, wouldn't you? I wouldn't want to cut out the joyful. That would be silly, wouldn't it? In in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, just a chapter over, rejoice in the Lord always. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And and you go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. You're fixing to memorize a verse, okay? Say this with me. Rejoice always. Now close your eyes. Say it again. You have just memorized your first scripture, many of you. You know, again, another command, and it's throughout the New Testament. So when we talk this morning about being rejoicing in the Lord, finding joy in the Lord, being happy in God, this is a command of God, not a suggestion. Now, you've got to use common sense. You have the stomach virus. You're at a funeral. I mean, if I have to bury one of my dogs, I'm not going to be out there clapping and happy and joyful. When he says rejoice always, what he's saying is the pattern of your life, the consistency of your life, this should be it. It's interesting. In these few words, he says rejoice in the Lord always. And then look, he says, again, I say rejoice. Maybe it was because there were people listening in Philippi originally who were of the group that you should be holy but not happy. And they just didn't understand why in the world was he telling us we ought to enjoy life and be full of joy. This is a command, number one. Secondly, what does it look like? What does it look like to be a joyful, joy-filled person? Another thing I can remember hearing more than one preacher say, I heard him say things like this, Well, I'm not happy on the outside, but I, they did their preacher voice too, but I'm full of joy on the inside. And doesn't that sound spiritual and just, oh, that's so sweet. Again, the Greek word for that is baloney. <laughs> Folks, joy is described in the Bible as a fruit. A fruit is an evidence. You don't walk up and you go, hey, that is a peach. That looks like a peach, feels like a peach, smells like a peach, but you tear it open and it's an apple. If it looks like a peach, smells like a peach, it is a peach. And Jesus says joy is not something that's hidden or mysterious or weird. Joy is is something that comes out of us and it looks just like happiness. That's the cool thing. 
Folks, 16 times in these four chapters in Philippians, the word joy or rejoice is used. There's, there's synonyms, basically. What does joy mean here? When he says rejoice in the Lord, be joyful in the Lord, the word joy simply means to be glad. It means to be full of cheer. It means to be delighted. What is the, the word happy by definition? It means to be full of joy. It means well-being, our contentment, are to be of good cheer. Folks, happiness and joy look the same thing. They've got a different source. That's what we're going to explore this morning. Happy, the word happy literally comes from the word happenings. You're happy for what happens, right? Your team wins. You get a, an A. You pass a test you should have failed. Your parents give you money. Your parents are nice for a change. Your kids are nice for a change. You know, things happen so you're happy. Joy and happiness look the same. That's very important. They just have a different source. So here's the question that, that I've wrestled with all week. How in the world is this possible? I mean, with all the stress that we have, whether you're in the fifth grade or whether you're 85, with all the strains we have, the problems we have, how can we find joy? How, how can we be truly a joyful and happy person? And by the way, it's only important for your well-being and the well-being in your life and if you're going to please God. I want to just say this, Christians, if you're a Christian, you can carry an 80-pound Bible and memorize the Old Testament in Hebrew, but if you're a grouchy jerk, you are not pleasing to God at all. So this is super important, but how do we pull it off? Because this is not easy at all. In fact, in fact this is, <laughs> I think this is very, very hard, but we want it. Thomas Aquinas was a philosopher and a theologian, and, and he said something I agree with. He said, the normal healthy person thirsts to be happy. I mean, we want happiness. We want fulfillment. We want joy. How do, how do we find it is the million-dollar question. How many of you know who Albert Einstein was? He could split an atom. He just couldn't comb his hair. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I mean, you're one of the smartest people ever, but no one ever introduced you to hairspray. It, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. A Albert Einstein said, here's how you find happiness. You have a table, a chair, a bowl of fruit, and a violin. Hmm. I thought about this this week. If I had a table, a chair, a bowl of ice cream, and a TV with a remote, that would be where I could find more happiness. But that, that's fleeting. That's fleeting. And I want to say this to you today. You, you say, Pastor, you don't know my troubles. You don't know what I'm going through. I don't. And the last thing I would ever want to do to anybody would be to downplay your hurt or your pain. I, I, I would just, without boring you with details, just say, I struggle and go down the same roads of life you do. So I understand that. But the guy who God used to write this letter was Paul. Paul had started this church in Philippi about 10 years earlier. Uh, we're going to see at the end of the, the, uh, the sermon, he got kicked out of the city, beaten, put in prison. He had a really rough time there. And when Paul was writing this letter, God was using him to write this letter to the church in Philippi. Paul was in Hawaii having a martini uh, on the beach, right? No, Paul was uh, uh, under arrest in Rome awaiting probably his execution, we don't know if he was in a dungeon prison or if he was just under house arrest. If he was under house arrest, and that's kind of what I think, uh, it, that doesn't sound as bad, but he was probably chained 24 hours, seven days a week to what was called a Roman Praetorium Guard, which was our equivalent of a Green Beret. And just to give you an experiment today, go home today and tie yourself hand-to-hand uh, -hand with someone else in your family for about three hours, and one of you will be gnawing your hand off before those three hours is up. 
to let you know again that Paul was not just some guy who was, uh, was on easy street, I want you to see a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. As Paul tells us a little bit about his life. This guy that's telling us to be joyful, to be happy, to be full of joy. Listen to him. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, beaten, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Now, that's not marijuana. That was he was being beaten with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked at a night and a day, and I was adrift at sea. I seen Jaws 1, 2, 3, and 4. I would have had a heart attack and died at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger, thirst, often without food and cold exposure, and apart from all the other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So the guy that God's using to tell us to sit up, to find the joy, to find happiness in life is not a guy who lived on easy street. D.L. Moody was kind of the Billy Graham of the 1800s, and D.L. Moody made a great statement. He says, anything God commands you to do, you can do. God says rejoice, God says forgive, God says love, God says pray. The greatest proof that we can do it is that God says we can do it. God will never tell us to do something we can't do. And anything God tells us to do, he empowers us to do. Isn't that great news? So this is possible. Let me give you four steps this morning to finding and maintaining happiness and joy in your life. As I looked and worked on this sermon this week, it was funny. I found, I'd found a, here are ten ways to be happy. Here's eight ways to be happy. Here's seven ways to be happy. So what I'm giving you is not uh, exhaustive, but I think that these are the fundamentals to making it happen. Number one, give your life to Christ. Give your life to Christ. Some of you skipped over that. You haven't done that. Some of you think you have and you haven't. This is the foundation. Folks, the word joy and rejoice in Philippians means be of cheer and, and of, 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 of energy. We think of being happy, but the source is God. Happiness comes from what happens. Listen, if you like the NFL, over this weekend there's going to be 16 games and there's going to be 16 winners and 16 losers. There are going to be a lot of unhappy people just based on that. Okay, be sad that your team loses, but... But you've got to find your joy and your lasting happiness somewhere else. And it's, it's found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. When you give your life to Christ, John 10, 10, listen to what it says. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is the devil. I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Folks, here is such a great concept. Jesus did come to save you from hell so you could go to heaven someday but Jesus came to save you from a wasted life here isn't that awesome Jesus came to give your life meaning today many churches and Christians are more like funeral homes and it's more like we walk around like we've been at a funeral Jesus came to give us life isn't that great See, we're looking for life, and we're looking for excitement. We're looking for joy. We, we look in all the wrong places. Some of you say, if I could just date this person, or if I could date this person, I would be happy. Some of you say, if I could divorce my spouse and marry this person, I would be happy. Some of you are saying, well, it, you know, if I, if, when I party, I'm happy. When I, I didn't get, become a Christian until I was freshman in my freshman year in college. And I heard all the time growing up, partying is, you won't be happy, you won't be happy. That just wasn't true. 
I mean, when I, when I would party, I would be happy very temporarily, very, very temporarily. Because partying's fun for, for a little while. A relationship's fun for a little while. But all those things wear off. You wake up the next morning, you're sober, and you don't have any money. Your girlfriend broke up with you, and your eyes black, and you don't know why any of that happened. That's not joy and happiness. If you want to find the joy-filled life that God wants you to have, and it's a game-changer for us, it begins with you surrendering your life, bowing your heart to Jesus Christ. Here's the second part of this. Then as a Christian, you live a spirit-filled surrendered life. Spirit-filled means spirit-controlled. A lot of times we get nervous. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean speaking in tongues? Does that mean, what does that mean? To, to be spirit-filled means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And to be controlled by the Holy Spirit is to be controlled by Jesus. How am I controlled by the Holy Spirit? I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit when I give my life to Christ, when I'm saved. The Holy Spirit comes to live in me. And then when I daily, when I confess my sins, I don't live perfect, but I live trying to, to, to live in relationship with Jesus and live right with Jesus. And, and I surrender myself to him daily, regularly. I, he fills me with his spirit. And that's the second key here, folks, for this happening. In verse 9, a little bit farther, the cool thing, we're going to look at a lot of these verses in detail in the days ahead, but verse 9, he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. Paul would say, listen, You've got to give your life to Christ, and you've got to continue to walk in Christ. Galatians 5.22, it lists nine qualities of people who are saved and who are walking for, with Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We're just going to look at two, love and joy, love and joy. There's, there's seven others. One of the evidence that God is controlling your life today is there's joy in you that comes out of you. Some of us think, well, you know, if I'm serious, if I'm serious, that proves that I'm walking with God. No, there's a lot of people who are serious are going to go to hell. Being serious doesn't mean anything. And there's only two things you ought to be ultimately serious about, Jesus Christ and people. Amen? We're serious all about all the wrong things. But a sign that Christ is controlling your life is joy. Now, here's what we do, even as Christians. We don't live for Christ like we should, and we wonder why we're not fulfilled and happy and full of joy. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands. Men, you, women, you won't. Men, you might. How many of you ever get depressed and go home and eat like a whole box of Oreos? Or Oh, good grief. Thank you, sweetie. Uh, there's one honest person. God, forgive these people for their dishonesty today. I'll tell you a story about eating double stuffs over a 10-hour trip, and it was miserable at the end of the 10-hour trip, but it was bad. Uh, later, future sermon. Uh, you know, if you go home today, and I'm going I'm to try this just, just to suffer for y'all. If you go home today and you eat up like a big bowl of ice cream, you literally get a rush. I'm not talking about a brain freeze. I'm talking about you feel good for a little while. That's why you're depressed. You eat, you feel better, Right? You, now, now, men, you're going to hate me for this. Ladies, you know this is true. This is true for men. You go shopping, you, you get a rush. Isn't that true? You retailers here love that, don't you? Come on in. You'll feel better. Come on into my store. But that's true. If you, you get online today and you buy some new shoes or you buy something, you're going to feel great until you realize, I couldn't afford that and I don't need it anyway. But it literally gives you a rush. But it's temporary. You get a little dopamine shot to your brain. But it's temporary. Stuff's not going to make you happy. Ice cream's going to make you fat eventually. It's not going to make you happy. 
Well, but it does make you happy too. I'm sorry. Time Magazine, not a religious magazine, by the way, did a, a uh, several years ago, uh, they showed on a graph people's materialism and money in the United States before World War II. It was way down here. Here's World War II. We win World War II. Uh, it's great for the country afterwards. Money, material things go way up. Happiness, joy go way down. Listen, you want to be filled with joy? You give your life to Christ and you live for Christ. Now, I'm not trying to get on to you, but I'm telling you the truth. You're not married and you're having sex. You're married and you're having an affair. You're addicted to porn, whatever. You're not going to be happy. You're, if you really are a Christian, you're not going to be happy. You're mean to people. You mistreat people. You're unethical. You're, you're, a, you're bad to your parents. You're bad to your kids. You're bad to your boss. You're bad to your employee. You're not a nice person. You're, not, you, you're quenching the Spirit. You've got to live for Christ to let the Spirit control you. That's where your joy is going to come from. Here's the third thing. You've got to choose to be joyful and happy. You see, God does these supernatural things, and then we've got to make a choice. In verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's a choice to rejoice. I just rhymed, and I didn't even mean to. God does what's supernatural, and he expects us to do what's natural. See, a lot of times we're waiting on God to do the miracle, and, and God's waiting on us to get up and do our part. And if you want to be joyful and happy, you've got to decide, okay, one, I, I'm going to be obedient to God in every area of my life, and I'm going to be obedient in this area. And I'm going to choose to be joyful and happy. I want you to do an experiment with me. Will you please do this with me, okay? Smile as big as you can right now. I mean, be fake, whatever. Jeez, just smile, 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 smile. Hold that smile for just a moment. Nobody's looking at you except me and God. And y'all look so, you really look better when you do that too. Did you know when you smile, you release chemicals in your brain that make you feel better? They, they, they teach people when they answer the phone before they answer the phone to go, hello. And you, you do, you answered, you're just a lot nicer. So you see, there's behaviors that we can do that will affect our lives. It'll affect our joy. Joni Tata Erickson is a Christian speaker and a writer. She's also a quadriplegic. She can't move anything from the head down. She was speaking at a women's conference, and the ladies were coming by afterwards, and one of the ladies said to her, Oh, Joni, I just wish I had your joy. I just wish that joy and happiness that you exude so easily and naturally would come to me. And Joni said, If I could have reached out and grabbed her, I would have. <laughs> She said, I looked at her and I said, do you think this comes naturally? She said, I woke up for the 50,000th day today. And I heard my husband leave to go to work. And I'm laying in bed. I can't move. And I know in an hour that my lady's going to come and she's going to pick me up. She's going to carry me to the bathroom. And she's going to bathe me and take care of all my bodily functions. She's going to feed me. She's going to dress me. And then she was going to drive me up here to speak to you guys about how great Jesus was in a hiss. And she says, I laid in bed that morning dreading this routine. She said, I made a choice. I said, God, you've got to help me, but I'm going to choose one more day to choose to be joyful. You know what? If a quadriplegic can choose to be joyful, so can you and me. Amen. 
I mean, that's convicting. That, that is convicting. Stephen Covey wrote a great book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says this, and I believe he said this in his book, but I know he said this. He said, one of the greatest choices God has given us that we can make is to choose to be happy. You can choose to be a grouch. You can blame it on your mama. You can blame it on your granddad. You can blame it on your preacher. You can choose to be a grouch. You can blame it on your hormones, whatever it is. But you can choose to be happy if you want to. Choose it. And number four, Choose to think positive. Choose to be a a positive thinker. Wow. In verse 6, which we're going to see in two weeks, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You can't be thankful and negative at the same time. Look in verse 8. Finally, brothers, what is true, what's honorable, what is just, what's pure, what's lovely, Whatever's commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What, what's God telling us there? Okay, so you've got to go to work tomorrow and you've got to let go of a bad employee. Okay, so you, you, how do you do that? Well, you do it honestly and ethically, and, and you, you, that's not a pleasant thing to think about. Well, he, he's not saying that you walk into that meeting going, hey, guess what? I'm fixing to cut you loose and you're not going to have a job. No, but he's saying the pattern of our life, our thoughts need to be focused on what's good and what's right and what's positive. If you're not a Christian, you can become one before you leave here today. If you are a Christian, let me give you two thoughts that are profound. They're found in Philippians 1.21. God through Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, here's what I want you to think about. You don't want to die today. I don't want to die today. But if you truly are a Christian and you die today, this is the truth. You're going to heaven. Is that not awesome? Folks, the minute you get into heaven, you're going to wonder why you died and exercised all these years. Heaven is going to be it's going to be so unbelievable. How many of you agree that with me on that? No, don't rush it. Don't push it. You go when God calls you. But if, if you die today, you are going to heaven. You're going, oh, what about everybody I'm leaving behind? You're not going to know that's part of heaven. You're not going to be focused on what's going on here on earth. If you live another day, Romans eight twenty eight, it says, And we know that for those who love God, not for everybody, but those who love God, all things work together for the good. So you don't die. Here's what the Bible says. If I'm living for God or I'll start living for God, no matter what happens, what, no matter what happens, God will work it out for the best and my best. Is that not awesome? You can go into every day saying, you know what? If I die today, I'm going to heaven. It's going to be unbelievable. And and as I live on this earth, no matter what happens, as I live for Christ, no matter what happens, it's going to work out for the best and my best as I stay in God's will. Is that not wonderful? You see, we have, to, we have to deal with hard issues. We have to deal with bad things. We have to deal with problem people and problem situations. But God's saying what you've got to find your joy and your happiness is, is not whether the Cowboys or Saints win or lose. You don't have any control over that. Focus on Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice because of the Lord. Rejoice because of your relationship with God. Are you following me? It's never changing. He's never going anywhere. God's just going to get better and better for you every day. Find your joy in Jesus. Park your mind and your heart there. Is that not good? Lastly, I want to tell you, this is a game changer. It really is. Being a joyful person is a game changer. Most of us won't ever find this out, I'm afraid. But it is. 
Sophocles was a Greek writer. He may have been near the time of Paul. He said this, when a person loses their happiness, they become a living corpse. We would say in our modern area, a walking dead. <laughs> you need joy in your life. There was a Dutch psychologist named Rut Van Hooven. I'll just call him Doc for my purposes. He, st he looked at 30 different studies on happiness. Here's what he found. Joyful, happy people are healthier. They have a healthier heart, a better immune system, better digestive system. They sleep better, and they live longer. When you and I make a choice to be joyful and happy people, it changes our game. Brian, I don't want to look at it on the screen right now, but if you can write this down, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It's kind of a long verse, but the very end of it says this, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The reason a lot of us are limping around as Christians or as people is we don't have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Proverbs 15, 5, listen to what it says. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Isn't that great? Proverbs 17, 22, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. When you and I choose to be joyful people, it changes our game. And lastly, Folks, it, it changes your impact on others. The impact you're going to have on others is going to be so positive. If you're taking notes, write Acts 16 down. Acts chapter 16. Acts 16 is where Paul goes into Philippi. Here's what happens. They go in. They begin to preach. They lead a lady to the Lord. Then they have a demon-possessed woman following them around. You think you've had some creepy days. They have a demon-possessed woman following them around, harassing them. Finally, Paul turns around and cast the demon out of the woman. And then the people who owned, she was a slave, who owned this girl, got mad at Paul. They had him arrested on false charges. They had him beaten and then stuck in the dungeon part of a prison, chained. Now, I won't go into details, but in that day, if you're chained in a dungeon prison, you need to go to the restroom, you just go. I mean, it's not good. And that was before the day of Depends. It was not good. And they're in the prison, been beaten terribly. And at midnight, the Bible says, they are singing and praying. And all the other prisoners are sitting there staring at them. What are these weirdos doing? They are happy in the middle of this prison. Earthquake happens. The, guard, the, the prison guard thinks the prisoners are going to run away. They don't. He comes into Paul and them. He goes... I want what you guys want. How do I get saved? Paul leads the guy of the Lord. They baptize him right then. The guy feeds them, cleans up their wounds. And, and the next day, the city officials meet Paul and they say, Sorry we beat you. Get out of our town. We don't want you here anymore. And it's this guy writing back saying, Rejoice in the Lord. But he led that jailer and his family to the Lord. you know why? Because he rejoiced and he was happy and full of joy even in the middle of prison. Folks, it'll change your game. And it'll change the game of those around you. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I hope God is speaking to your heart about what you need to do. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian and you're ready to cross that line with God, pray with me now. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
and I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand. And I want to challenge you to respond to God this morning. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. or Maybe you're ready to do that. When we stand, I know it's hard, but you come and talk to one of these ministers. Cross this line with Christ this morning. Let Jesus change your game forever today. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church to join. We would love for you to join our church. We want to be a happy church. You can join after church. You can come when we stand and and join us. We'd love for you to. Christian, maybe you're doing well with this. Keep it up. Maybe you're not. Maybe where you're standing, you need to get right with God. Or maybe you need to come to the altar and do business with God. But make a choice to be the joyful person God's put you on this earth to be. Let's stand. And as we sing, you come. We'll be waiting on you.